We are back with the Movie Babble podcast. We're going to be running through uh, some box office news this week. It's me, Brennan, and Nick calling us away this week, and that means he won't be able to talk about uh, the Play Mobile movie, which is uh, sad for him, but uh, we're going to get to talk about that, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Um, we also have the Critics' Choice Award nominations get released this weekend, so we're going to touch on that a little bit, as well as uh, Marriage Story, which also dropped on Netflix. That's another big player for Netflix this award season. Um, so let's get right into the top five of the box office. Frozen 2 continuing a great run, $34.6 million this weekend. Knives Out is just owning the box office. It came second this weekend, $14.1 million. Ford v. Ferrari added another $6.5 million to its total. It's creeping up towards $100 million domestically, so it's got a bit of work to do, but it's definitely getting there. Queen and Slim definitely has found its audience, and uh, $6.5 million this weekend is a pretty solid number for that film. And rounding it out is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, $5.2 million. So the top five this week was the same as last week. It was a quiet weekend in terms of new movies to the theaters. We had Dark Waters expand a little bit, um, same as a few other smaller films. Waves also expanded, and Honey Boy expanded this weekend as well. But the big thing this weekend was Marriage Story. But let's kind of get into that top five. Uh, what do you um, kind of assess from this weekend, Nick? How do you feel about the performances from some of these films? Yeah, it's, I kind of feel like the same as I did last week, which is, I mean, it makes sense because it's the same top five. Uh, but yeah, just you look at Frozen, like it's getting closer and closer to that billion mark. It'll probably get there within the next week, maybe even before next weekend. Um, so the discussion there is, oh, does it have a chance to surpass the first Frozen? Um, which I definitely think it can considering the Christmas season's coming up and just people will be out of school and They'll, they'll just make their parents drag them to the theaters and whatnot. So, like, I definitely see that as a possibility. But everything else, yeah, like Knives Out just is continuing to do really well. It's over over tripled its budget already, so that's just great for that. So pretty much everything it has, like, everything from here is just, like, extra. In, and maybe, like, some maybe we hear something about, like, a sequel or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. But, yeah, like, other than that, like, 4v Ferrari still kind of chugging along. Still has, to do, still has to get some money back in order to just really – just be successful in my mind. And then, yeah, Queen Slim, beautifully in the neighborhood. They're just chugging along. It's, yeah, it's basically the same thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, not too much, obviously, different. I mean, it's the exact same uh, top five, but a beautiful day in the neighborhood, touching on that real quick. That kind of started off a little slow in my mind that first weekend, but it's up over $40 million now, and it hasn't even been released to overseas markets. So I think that that movie is definitely in a really good place. Um, and uh, obviously, that will probably help the momentum for potentially Tom Hanks going into uh, the award season here. Um, but yeah, Ford v. Ferrari, as you said, it definitely needs to make a little bit more money uh, to, to really um, turn a solid profit, but it's getting there. And uh, besides that, not too much on the top five this weekend. It is the same as last, so there's not really much to touch up on. But Dark Waters, um, that expanded big time this weekend. It actually performed pretty well, $4.1 million, an average of 2000 uh per screen average, which is pretty solid. It's better than a couple of the films that actually made the top five overall. So Dark Waters did pretty good there. That's the uh, film starring Mark Ruffalo. Did you see that? Um, that's actually one of the few that I still have to catch up on. It's like I've been like running from screening to screening and just like popping in screeners at home and like to catch up for my Critics Body Awards and all that stuff. But <laughs> Dark Waters and there's a few others that I still haven't been able to see. I still actually still haven't seen Queen and Slim either. But um, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate one. I'm really hoping to get to see it soon because I mean, like I've seen everything at this point. So like when like Little Woman comes out, maybe I can go see something else because that's already I've already seen that a few times at my at my own leisure. So yeah, it's, it's a bummer. I would like to see it. I think this movie, it has a lot more to do still, I think, even though it's, it did all right in its expansion, but it's still only at about 5 million um, here in the States, which isn't particularly great. Uh, I know, especially for the message of this movie, it definitely, they definitely wanted this to become a bigger deal. than I think it is currently. Um, so I think with that, I think there's still room left for it to, to get, um, to accomplish much. No, I definitely agree with that there, and I think it's a film that's that's it's it's going to be tough for this type of movie to really latch on to a big audience in terms of box office. So I'm I'm not too surprised with how it's doing, but I mean it's it's doing decent numbers. I don't expect it to probably um, reach too many more theaters overall. But we saw a couple other films uh, expand this this weekend as well. As I said earlier, Honey Boy and Waves expanded a little bit, uh, both of them adding about $450,000 each. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure you've seen both of these films. Yeah, I have. I really have. They're, and I both like, 
it's tough because I think they're both good, and I would probably recommend both of them. But they're they're two films that I I don't think I love outright. Um, it's I don't know. It's tough to say. I think Waves I think is one of the most fascinating like movie experiments I've seen in a really long time because there really isn't much of a plot, and it's just kind of like the plot. It's kind of just like the emotions felt by all the characters, and it's like a one big music video, and it's really fascinating. And like Honey Boy is another one where it's like it. It's kind of an obvious movie, but it's also like Shia LaBeouf just getting rid of a lot of things in his life, and you can't you can't help but admire him for just like it just feels really courageous what he's doing. But yeah, these movies are doing okay. Like they're still like they're starting to really get out, and they're right around 500, 500 uh, screens or a little more than that. Um, I think both these um, studios, Amazon for uh, Honey Boy and uh, Waves for A twenty four. I think they definitely want a little more out of these movies because um, I think they're pushing them both pretty hard for awards. So I think we'll see what happens here because I think that there's still much to be done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I saw Waves today and it really is a visual experience. I mean, that was that was a really um, good time in the movies for me today. And Honey Boy, I mean, it's a film that I'm really excited uh, for, but it just hasn't got up here in, into Canada yet. Um, so I'm waiting on that. But Waves, it's, it's a really neat experience and I would 100% recommend that film. I agree with you. Um, I don't know... If I did love it yet, I mean, still going to give it a little bit of time to mellow. There is, there are some interesting choices in there, but um, for the most part, Waves is a film that, as you said, it's just a really neat experience, and it's a really good, strong visual film. Um, one long music video—that's kind of a neat way to put it—but I definitely see where you're coming from there, and I agree to some extent. Uh, we also had another release this weekend—a pretty interesting one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're going to get into it, so it's the uh, Playmobil the movie. Um, this is a film that I think most people would have had this in the top two, if not maybe their highest, most anticipated film of the year. <laughs> it's one, it's one that we were all looking forward to here at Movie Babble. Um, however, I don't know if any of us, any of us have seen it. <laughs> no, <laughs> God uh, no. This movie uh, opened up this weekend to a dismal, dismal um, six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and that's from two thousand three hundred screens. Uh, so we're probably going to be seeing some articles coming out about how this is one of the worst um, releases for a film that had that screen count. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty sad figure there. I remember first seeing this trailer um, and I and I thought it was like a spoof until I saw like <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe's name. Um, I don't know. What, what do you make of this? Um, I don't know what to think of this. I feel like we've been, I talked about this with Colin last week where we've been kind of waiting for this movie for like, I feel like like five years now. <laughs> cause, cause well, when it first started, it was, uh, it was global road, uh, owned the, the, the distribution rights to this movie. And then they, they wanted a business shortly after they released, uh, my favorite movie of last year, which is of course show dogs. Um, so this movie, <laughs> <laughs> this movie has just been like kind of in limbo for a while and like, it feels like it's been like a thing of hot potato where it's like, uh, should like someone take this movie, someone take it. And then STX kind of just like stumbled upon it and they're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> so we have to deal with this thing now. Um, so it, it really, I think it released overseas like in August sometime. And I think that was like one of its scheduled release dates here in the States as well. Um, but in the last second STX pulled it cause they just, they're like, ah, shit, I don't want, we don't want to deal with this thing. Um, but now it's out and it, it's quickly in the shitter. <laughs> this movie is Actually, so according to Box Office Mojo, it's one of the worst um, av- average openings for a film uh, that opened in over 2,000 screens. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty good there. And STX like tried to get they got a little tried to get a little fancy with this movie, so they kind of wanted they just were trying to get, like anybody to see it because <laughs> they figured no one would. So they tried doing a weird experiment where they like the movie costs like five bucks to see in in some markets where they were like, hey, like just please come see this thing. We want to see what happens here. Um, but that really didn't work out very well, obviously <laughs> considering the results of what happened here. Um, so yeah, it's a $282 per theater average. Um, so that's, it's like right up there with like uh, billion billionaire boys club, the Kevin Spacey movie that came out like this year or last where it made like $2 per theater. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's Playmobil. It's it's here, and it's also not here because no one cares, and it's quickly <laughs> fading into the abyss. <laughs> and the, the probably one of the most entertaining things you could do is go to the uh, 
go onto YouTube and look up the trailer for this film and just read the comments. They're they're so funny. Um, like like uh, they a lot of them are just kind of people just saying spoof titles for the sequels that this film's going to definitely uh, definitely lead to. Um, but no, it's always a good time when when a film like this comes out. Uh, <laughs> um, not too much more to say about that one. Well, I just want to read the. I want to go over the cast really quick because yeah, yeah, like yeah, for sure. This thing is just so bizarre. Uh, and it doesn't feel real. So it's Daniel Radcliffe in, in the lead, as you mentioned. Then Adam Lambert is in this movie, um, <laughs> the singer. And then Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch, great great actress. Then you have Jim Gaffigan. And then also Keenan Thompson. And then Megan Tra- Megan Trainer is in there, too. Um, so this thing, like, literally makes no sense on, like, any level. It's like, what like, what is this? So, um, yeah. I I kind of, honestly, I feel like I'm talking myself into seeing it for how much I'm shitting on it. Like I feel like I owe it to I owe it to someone to go see it. I don't know. Maybe if I'm feeling really down one day and it's like ah fuck, you owe, just... you owe it to me. You owe it to me to go see this. <laughs> All right, Brennan. I'll let you. Know. I'll give you my book report next week on the pod. It, it's a little long. Ninety nine minutes is a bit long. Oh shit! Never mind. I don't, I don't want to go see this anymore. You know what? This thing, this is the type of film that I think needs to be an hour twenty, and I might give my time to it. No, I'm. I just like this thing needed to be like eighty five minutes. Yeah. It's and like at least like Ugly Dolls, which is a movie that I like is like quickly like it's it might be my least favorite movie of the year because I just can't believe I sat through it. And it was just like one of the worst experiences that I had this year, just like in life in general. <laughs> and that movie but at least that movie was like eighty three minutes. So I was like, all right, like I was looking at my phone like multiple times just because I don't know, it's tough. Like I'm typically one of those guys who would like give you the death stare if you looked at your phone during a movie, but it's ugly dolls, so like no one cares. And it's like, it's like, it's the 60 minute mark. It's like, all right, they're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, but yeah, Playmobil, it's like, what? I think IMDb is reporting 110 minutes. It's like yeah, yeah. even longer. So it's just like, I like, I just don't want to deal with that at all. That just sounds like the worst thing ever. It's not right. <laughs> it's a crime. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's not right at all. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at that cast, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. And I think this is the type of movie that you got to, you got to go see it with a bunch of people. <laughs> you just have to get really shit faced beforehand. Yep. And then just, and then maybe you'll get some type of enjoyment out of it, or you'll just get so belligerent that you pass out. And then when you wake up, the movie's over. So there you and go. That might be win. better than, uh, <laughs> than staying awake. Different. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, moving on the this weekend, we also saw one of Netflix's other big kind of powerhouse awards contending films uh, drop to streaming. That was marriage story. So it, it's been out uh, for a few weeks and, uh, select cinemas um but marriage story is a film that is just receiving a ton of praise across the board scarlett johansson and adam driver star in this film directed by noah Baumbach. i know you're, you're uh, not only a huge fan of this film but of noah Baumbach as a director um i haven't seen this film yet so i can't add too much to the discussion of the actual content but it's definitely going to be a big awards contender just by looking at how it's performing so far in the early circuits um uh so how do you feel kind of about this uh, big netflix drop um, I am I am very happy because it seems like everyone really loves this movie. And as it stands right now, it's probably my favorite movie of the year. I just I think it's terrific, and I think it's I I really appreciate Noah Baumbach's uh, movies. And then this is probably my favorite of his. Um, it's even better than Francis Ha, which I just gets better and better the more I watch it. Um, it's just really beautiful in a lot of different ways, and it's just some of like all like there's just a ton of just amazing performances in it. Like Adam driver and Scarlett Johansson are like the, are like the big headliners. Like they're just like outrageously good. And just like this, this is just like a crowning achievement for Adam driver. And I think we're going to like, he's probably going to win best actor. It's probably between him and Sandler at this point from uncut gems. Those are the, like the two like runaways at this point, but it's just even like Ray Liotta pops in for like 10 minutes and it's just unbelievable. And Laura Dern is just incredible as Scott Johansson's lawyer. Um, it is like, it is just a tour de force and just acting and writing and directing. Um, it's just, it's, it checks all the boxes. It's, I really can't get enough of it. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just so great on so many levels. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I do want to check it out in the theater, so I'm holding off a little bit. I'm probably going to go see it next week. It's still um, kind of making its way to a couple indie theaters up here in Canada. But how was, uh, I don't know if you paid paid attention too much to it, uh, but Randy Newman's score. It's really, really good. Um, it's So I it, it, I really appreciate it because it's it kind of like layers. There's a this movie is, I think it's a really, if anyone's seen the, the Squid and the Whale, uh, Noah Baumbach's other divorce movie, uh, 
it's a really interesting comparison to between those two because um, the squid and the whale is it's from the perspective of the kids. Uh, one of them played by Jesse Eisenberg, and it's just it's just a really bitter, just angry movie, and it just it's like it, you just kind of feel like shit afterwards, and it's just there's just so much like just just raw just emotion going into that at every turn. Like you just hate these people more and more for what they did to these kids, and then like consequently or. or on the other hand, a marriage story is kind of the opposite where, yeah, it's, you're going to feel really devastated, um, in parts of it. And there's one just like, there's a couple just arguments that are just left me. Like I was just like a puddle afterwards, just a puddle of motion of emotions. Um, it's just, they're just, just a few screaming matches that are just outrageous. Um, but then like the ultimate idea of this story and think of this movie that I really appreciate, it's cause that love is just always there. Um, it just, when you have divorce, which is just awful, like it kind of clouds a lot of that judgment. And I think right as Newman's score just really underplays that really nicely. Uh, it's it's really beautiful. I think I suspect it'll probably get a nomination as well. Yeah, we might see him and his cousin uh, Thomas Newman get uh, kind of in a duel this year for um, awards because he did the score for 1917, which is kind of catching on a little bit. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, we can. Well, I think we'll get to 1917 at a later date. Um, I don't really like that movie, but I think I'm the only person in the world who doesn't like that movie. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, the Thomas Newman score is very, very good in that movie, and it's it'll be fun. It'll, I hope it'll it'll be interesting. And along with um, uh, Alexandria Desplat as as the score for Little Woman, which um, which I'm sure will just be like a big time uh, winner amongst people when that comes out. Uh, I think those those are definitely like three of the main players at this point. Yep, and uh, kind of moving forward from there, so we have uh, we went from Playmobil to uh, Marriage Story, two very serious uh, films. What a seg! What a segue! <laughs> so the Aeronauts also got a little bit of a limited release this weekend. This is another one of those streaming uh, films that's kind of getting an early uh, theater release to kind of muster up some awards buzz. Uh, this film is dropping on Amazon Prime on the twentieth of December, um, and I believe you saw this film. What do you think of it? Um, this movie is. When I was watching it, it immediately made me think of like something that Miramax would release, kind of like probably like in 1998, where it's like very like tech, like technically sound. It's a period piece, um, a lot of very good actors in it, just doing like vaguely like making a story a movie about a vaguely important um, kind of uh, part in history, and then it wins a ton of awards, and then no one really thinks about it ever again, <laughs> except this time it's made by Amazon studios. Who's yeah. Like you said, they're doing kind of a weird rollout for it. So it's, my guess is it's probably not going to contend much for anything. Um, maybe, uh, maybe cinematography is a possibility. Cause I think the one thing that's really good about this movie is that it's, it captures the, like the wonder of like the sky and just like the scope of just like a landscape. Um, so just, I guess moving back a little bit, the movie is really, it's about, um, uh, Eddie Redmayne plays, um, he's meteorologist or he hopes to make, um, meteorology a thing. Cause this is in like whatever time it is in Britain and London. And they're like, Oh no, we don't like your newfangled technology. This is, <laughs> this is, we don't, we don't agree with this at all. Oh no. And he's like, Oh, but I have to, I'm a, I'm a white man and I have to, I have to go to the stars and I have to explore <laughs> and I have to, I have to learn. <laughs> and then, um, Felicity Jones is co- is co-star, and she has naturally she has a tragic past that they kind of come back to later on. But she's the polar opposite, where she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna like I am a free spirit, and we're gonna have so much fun." And oh, we're gonna get along, aren't we? And then <laughs> so um, so they go up into the sky, and they're trying to break the the record for basically the highest point ever achieved in hot air balloon, um, which later led to like the dis- to the discovery or maybe to the it was a watershed moment in meteorology when it became kind of a big deal as and for it kind of set the set the landmark for kind of what we know of it today um so that's kind of it then there's they're up there and in, in the hot <laughs> air balloon um they struggle with the elements it gets really cold and they flash back to pretty just rote backstories where they're very tragic and see Felicity Felicity Jones um, used to go hot air ballooning with her husband who tragically passed away in a hot air balloon accident. And then 
um, Eddie Redmayne has a, a dad who has some sort of dementia or something like that. He struggles to remember just anything. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like these, it's a very basic, it's a very screen writerly script, if that makes any sense, <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, we have a, we have a kind of this really short um, adventure for our two main characters, but we have to kind of flash back and fill out a lot of their backstory so that this movie makes it to a feature length. Um, it's totally fine. And I forget most of it already. And I'm really proud of myself for <laughs> explaining it as much as I have already. Um, it's, it's just very much, it's, it's like the, it's a vaguely important period piece that we've seen. It's very much awards bait. And I'm sure if this movie belonged to like focus features or anything like that, they would be pushing it hard. And this would be the movie we all hate. Cause it's just not good. And, but it's probably going to win a lot of awards, but um, Amazon studios looks like it's just going to release it just online on like you said on December twentieth, which is probably smarter for just people who are just hanging out and they want to watch a movie with with attractive people in it who are doing vague, vaguely captivating things. Um, but I don't I don't really think anyone's going to remember this movie for a while. Or no, for, for and I mean it, it's kind of neat though to see them back again, uh, Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne, since uh, the theory of everything that was a little while back. It's neat to see them kind of return and maybe try to. How was the chemistry? Is it still there? Um. Yeah, they're fine. It's kind of more what you expect. I don't really love the theory of everything either. So maybe mm-hmm. if you like the theory of everything, maybe you find more in the aeronauts than I did. Um, but yeah, it's, they're very charming. They're both very good actors and you know I mean, one, one in the, won the Oscar for that movie. And they're both very good. It's just, it's just kind of a very basic uh, story and the structure of it. You've seen a bunch of times. And I feel like, I feel like Clint Eastwood Sully kind of ruined the structure of like a very like short, or maybe even, one of his other movies as well, where it's a very short um, kind of based on historical events um, thing that happens and they have to just pad it with a bunch of flashbacks and things like that. And it's fine. Like they go up, they go up into the sky as they're not getting super long. And I wonder where it's going to go from there. You know, it's, it's just, (laughs) it's just a very basic movie um, that I won't be thinking about (laughs) for maybe ever. Right. And I mean, um, it's kind of neat to see though, these, these different streaming services trying to push, I don't know how, obviously how much this film is going to get pushed, but I mean, it's also making a little bit of a play in the VFX category early on in a few different award circuits, but I don't see this film really being much of a juggernaut, as you said, um, moving forward though, to kind of some of that awards talk, uh, we had obviously big nominations get released today. The critics choice award nominations were released today um a lot of pretty interesting surprises and a lot of pretty um predictable kind of uh, nominations we have obviously the heavyweights got very well rep- represented here the irishman was nominated for 14 awards once upon a time in hollywood 12 um so those are kind of the two that are leading the pack early on 1917 um little women uh, marriage story parasite also getting a lot of love and uncut gems actually um, surprised a little bit with nominations not only for Best Actor, Adam Sandler, but in the picture category and in the uh, director category as well. But let's kind of break it down a little bit. So we'll start with Best Picture. Um, I'll run through them here and tell me if you have any kind of uh, surprise surprise thoughts about some of these nominations. Uh, 1917 was nominated, Ford v. Ferrari was nominated, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and Uncut Gems. Yeah, I'm actually really fascinated by these picks this year because normally when you look at the Critics' Choice Award, there's there's a lot of things that are like really popular that don't end up doing very much at the at the Oscars because they they do a lot of interesting probably they're movies that probably just don't fly with uh, Academy voters because they're either more challenging or they're not um, just anything like they're not like the typical Oscar fair that you would see. Um, so with that in mind, like I'm kind of surprised at kind of how I don't want to say basic because it has a lot of bad connotations with it, but it's this is a pretty like as you like this is a list that I would expect from the Academy to to come out because um, Joker I wouldn't have expected critics to go crazy about um, neither with uh, Jojo Rabbit as well, but um, I think this is actually a very good primer for what we're going to see with the Oscars because I think I, we could very well see this exact list. I think at the Oscars, maybe you swap out uncut gems with something else, uh, maybe, but I think this is like, this is probably what we're going to, these are the main films we're going to be talking about for quite some time. Yeah. And I mean, um, 
one of the things, just kind of touching on Uncut Gems real quick, uh, I, I was thinking that this film definitely, Adam Sandler has the buzz early on, but I don't know if that's a performance that the Academy academies are going to recognize. However, I was looking at the critics' choice here this weekend, and I was saying, if this movie gets a little bit of representation here, it's going to go a long way for this movie, and there's definitely going to be um, uh, kind of... Uh, some good steam uh, for this film and, and a little bit of uh, goodwill going forward, if you will, because I think that um, obviously this Best Picture nomination here might go a long way for this movie, and it's getting a lot of recognition elsewhere as well. I believe the National Board of Review gave Adam Sandler Best Actor of the Year as well, and that film, also Uncut, also made it on their Best of the Year list. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're really starting off well and a little bit better than I expected, and that's really good to see. Um, segwaying into the Best Actor category, um, they do a little bit, a, a little bit differently in the Academy Awards. They're not afraid to go a little bit over five nominees per their categories other than picture. So they actually have seven best actor nominees. Antonio Banderas was nominated for Pain and Glory, Robert De Niro for The Irishman, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Eddie Murphy got in there with Dolomite, uh, Joaquin Phoenix with Joker, and then Adam Sandler with Uncut Gems. Uh, first things first, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, really good performance, really worthy and uh, definitely great to see him get that nomination. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be maybe that that token fifth nomination that we see from the from the Academy that really doesn't have a chance to win, but he gets the nomination, which is really cool to see. Because I I'm looking at, off the top of my head, I don't think Antonio Banderas has ever been nominated, so that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, this is this is also a pretty standard list. I think this is kind of like the big front runners that we've been kind of keeping our eyes on and talking about for a couple months now. Um, I'm interested to see what I feel like, cause I feel like Eddie Murphy is probably on the outside looking in on this list and uh, it's tough after that. My guess may be like maybe between De Niro and DiCaprio. I think the, the, those are the two that the might get knocked off if we were looking at getting it down to five. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I definitely agree with you there. I think that, it could go one of two ways. You might see the Academy. I, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman are both going to be heavyweights at the Oscars. But if the Academy leans one way or the other, I think that's where De Niro or DiCaprio get in. I think that's what you'll see there. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, – because I think Joaquin for Joker is a lock. I think that's the very showy, like doing the most acting performance that the Academy really loves to award. So I think definitely. that's definitely going to be there. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm really hoping for Adam Driver and Adam Sandler because I'm really happy that they're getting a lot of recognition from the Critics' Choice Awards because those two are probably my favorite two performances of the year, at least for um, males, because they're just absurd. And um, I know we've both seen Uncut Gems and just Adam, I think that might be, it's close to being my favorite Adam Sandler performance ever. Like he's just, he's going, he's going apeshit and he's also has great material to work with. So it's like this crazy kind of just like stew of Adam Sandlerisms that we've haven't quite seen before, but it's all packaged together. Just really, really great. Um, so yeah, I, I really like this list though. I think all of these are worthy in some ways. I mean, we both, I mean, everyone listening kind of knows that I'm not a huge fan of Joker. Um, so that's probably my least favorite of them, but I do understand why all these are here. Yeah. And Adam Sandler, as you said, I mean, that's one that I, I don't know if you if you had to ask me what I think the best performance is this year. I, I don't know for sure yet what I'd have to I'd have to kind of sit down and look at the merits and uh, it'd be a tough decision. But Adam Sandler is definitely up there. And I just really want to be able to say Academy Award nominee Adam Sandler. That would be incredible. And also star of Jack and Jill. Be <laughs> <laughs> uh, Another layer on his great career in terms of a cake that we're going to eat by the end. I mean, no. Uncut Gems is a wonderful film. No, I love it. And like all power to him. If people are, if a studio is going to pay you $60 million to go on a vacation with your friends, go do it. Like I used to hate that when I was like younger, but now that I'm like actually working and like, I have to like deal with stuff on a daily basis. And like, you see that and it's like, nah, like Adam Sandler is like living the life. Like that's literally the greatest thing ever. And then like, he reminds us every so often that he's just incredible. So you have this and then you had the Myrid stories, which came out a few years ago, which is, Noah Baumbach's last film, which I really love as well. Um, but yeah, he's just, he comes around every so often and he puts in an incredible performance and he makes you remember how just, he has a lot of talent and it's, when he chooses to use it, it's just really great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be exciting to see this film kind of 
as it progresses throughout the award season. Uh, Segwaying now to Best Actress. Um, there are a few in here that I didn't expect to sneak in, but they did. Aquafina for The Farewell. Uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Uh, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Cersei Ronan for Little Women. Charlize Theron for Bombshell. And Renee Zellweger got nominated for Judy. Um, a couple of surprises here. I didn't think Ariva was going to get in for Harriet. I wasn't 100% sure if that was a lock, but she snuck in there. I haven't seen the film yet, um, but I mean, I was, I, I don't know. I wasn't, ex- I was expecting her to get a little bit of love here and there, but not at a award circuit this, this big. Um, but I think that might do her some goodwill moving forward. I don't think she has any shot of winning the Academy by the end of this award season, but this might uh, put this film in the minds of a few more people. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree there. Uh, I it's weird because Harriet has quietly like we haven't touched up on this film in a couple weeks, but it's quietly like one of the more successful like indie film releases of the year. It's just doing really good business, and I think that's part of the reason why why we're seeing a lot of acclaim here for Cynthia Erivo because um, it seems like it's. I mean, I haven't seen the movie either, but I think the, I feel like strong in saying the consensus is like, oh, the movie is the most basic kind of run-of-the-mill uh, biopic that you that you know. It's that really same structure of a famous person kind of going about how they became famous. Um, but everyone really loves uh, Cynthia Erivo. Um, and that's kind of how I also feel about Renee Zellweger, uh, who seems like it's that seems like the classic Academy, um, like this is who we're going to award because it's a famous person um, doing a fa- an impression of another famous person who also acted in Hollywood. Like all the all the bits are there for that. Um, but my personal favorite, I'm um, just going off of the marriage story discussion earlier, is Scarlett Johansson. I just think he's she's outrageously good in that movie, and I there's a I won't spoil it um, here, but there's. A, there's a long, long extended cut. It's one take of her just kind of, she's in Laura Dern's office in the movie and um, kind of explaining her situation and how her relationship with Adam Driver's character got to the point where it is. And she's just, it's kind of more like well, the first moment in the movie where she gets to unwind and kind of just really just express herself. And it's just so incredible. And it's, it's like one of the best bits of acting I've ever seen from Scarlett Johansson. Um, and it just keeps going and going. And it turns into like a big monologue that you'd see on Broadway. And it's just, it's really tremendous. And I think like they're going to find a way to kind of split that up and make that her kind of her uh, clip that they'll play at the all the awards um, ceremonies. I can just see that. But yeah, I think out of all those, she is definitely my favorite. You know how happy I am for Lupita Nyong'o. I mean, this is just a, a performance that, uh, I mean, when this film came out in March, uh, I enjoyed it. Definitely. I thought it was great. Um it's it's it hasn't really held on as one of my favorites of the year, but I did really enjoy it when I saw it, and I think it has moments in there of greatness. It's not over. I don't think overall it hit it out of the park, but I really enjoyed it. But her performance, I think, is what this film is. I mean, Us was a was a good film, but Lupita Nyong'o's performance was absolutely terrific. So I'm really happy to see her um, get recognition here late in the awards season. I agree with you there for Renee Zellweger. I mean, that's kind of. Uh, what we're expecting this award season. I, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of a, I mean, she, in my opinion, she was terrific, but um, just the movie itself is just, it's, it's just so plain. Um, uh, Charlize Theron getting the nomination for Bombshell. Uh, that's another interesting one because she's such a talented actress, um, but she's portraying someone that is her, Megan Kelly in this film. She's portraying her and it's someone that's so popular kind of in pop culture today and kind of, with what's going on over these last few years. Um, so, I mean, that that's another interesting performance, and that's one that kind of snuck out of nowhere for me uh, over these last few weeks. I, I didn't really... Um, I didn't know to what extent Bombshell was really going to make an impact, but it looks like it's definitely going to be well-represented in the uh, acting categories. Yeah, this is... Bombshell is one of the last movies that's going to catch. Um, it's one of the few movies that they're kind of slowly moving into, um, like, screeners and things like that. I mean, I think, like, one of the few bodies that's seen it is the as the hollywood foreign press for the golden globes because we're going to hear about those nominations in the coming days but yeah it's it definitely it seems like just from all the things surrounding it not seeing the movie it seems like it's tailor-made for awards consideration because you have a really famous person playing another famous person and under makeup which is actually really convincing it's kind of scary how much charlise looks <laughs> she looks scary. like him it's really terrifying how much she looks like megan kelly it's i just it's really unsettling um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I 
I haven't seen the movie, obviously, but yeah, I would have penciled that in at, for a nomination. Just, it just, it just, it, it checks all the boxes. Um, the one that's I'm really interested in is Aquafina for the farewell. That definitely feels like it's been the trendy pick, kind mm-hmm. of not not necessarily the hipster pick in all of this, but it's definitely like the cool kids pick for like, oh yeah, we went and saw this A24 movie and Aquafina is <laughs> really good in it, and we really like it. Yeah, you can go enjoy Judy uh, with Renee Zellweger, but we're gonna go over here and watch this really cool movie. Um, that's kind of kind of feels like that pick, but yeah, like all kidding aside, like she's really good in that too, and I'm really excited for her. Um, yeah, it's really and like I guess the last one I haven't even touched on was Sersha for Little Woman, and she is just delightful in that movie as well, and that entire movie is also just delightful. Um, so I'm really excited to see her get some consideration. Uh, I think that's a performance that we're going to talk about more and more as the movie opens around Christmas time because she is just just really delightful and just continue. I just continue to fall with, fall in love with her on screen because she's just so great. It's good to know. I'm excited for all those films, the ones that I haven't seen, um, especially Little Women, though. I mean, that's going to that'll be good. Such a great ensemble um, for that film there. Kind of moving into Best Supporting Actor now. We had a couple here that I was pretty happy with. Didn't expect Willem Dafoe to get nominated for The Lighthouse, but he did here for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. And Al Pacino and Joe Pesci both secured nominations for their work in The Irishman and Brad Pitt with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that what we're going to be seeing throughout this award season is if Pacino and Pesci both get in, Brad Pitt is the guaranteed victor in this category. Yeah, I definitely agree. They're going to be doing a lot of uh, vote splitting there. Um, this this one is also, it kind of feels like this is all of like the standard picks that I would have assumed that the Academy would choose as well. Um, yeah, like, like you said, Pitt, I think Pitt is the runaway favorite in my eyes here. Um, I think closely followed behind by Tom Hanks because I just feel like people love Mr. Rogers. I feel like there's a lot of sentimentality around those votes as well. And I also think it's a very good performance and it's the reason that that movie works. Um, so that's one to like look out for there. But yeah, I, I really like Willem Dafoe getting a nomination here. Uh, it's really cool just cause he's, it's another one of those performances where he's doing the most, but it's also with great material. So that holds a little more weight and he's, but he's also just farting and just <laughs> like <laughs> he's slobbering everywhere and burping and just, drinking turpentine and just getting shit face. And I just love that that's getting some kind of buzz. Um, I feel like that's going to be like, that's the critics pick. Whereas that won't kind of, that won't hold over to something like the Academy, which might, so we have six here in this, in this um, category. I feel like that's Willem Dafoe may be the one that drops out. Cause I think um, Anthony Hopkins and the two popes, I mean, he's playing Pope Benedict. It's just like, that's tailor made for all of the all of the boomers in the in the uh, voting body of the academy. Like it's just very very simple that that movie that he'll probably get a nomination for that one. But yeah, I it's a really cool list. I'm I feel like of these I'm really pulling for Pesci or Pitt. Yeah, I was gonna actually ask you there what which one you drop off and yeah, it being Defoe. I mean Defoe kind of some of the good uh, will that I put behind him is that if he did get nominated for the Academy Award this year, that'd be three years in a row. So it does seem like they like him enough to maybe consider him. I mean, mean, he had two years ago in a supporting role um, in uh, the Florida Project, and last year he got in for Best Actor. Um, I forget the title of the film, but it was uh, about Van Gogh. Attorney's Gate. Yeah, Attorney's Gate, yep. Um, uh, And then, I mean, I think The Lighthouse is a little bit too out there for some Academy voters, but... Um, Willem Dafoe is definitely well liked by by that body. Yeah, absolutely. He always, I feel like he always gets that token nomination. I just everyone seems to like him, so maybe that's another consideration to, to think about there. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting list. It it kind of it feel it makes a lot of sense, kind of going with the theme here. For sure. Um, moving now to Best Supporting Actress, um, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. That's kind of been the performance that over these last few weeks has kind of been overtaking. Jennifer Lopez is kind of the big favorite. Um, Scarlett Johansson got in for Jojo Rabbit, so that's two nominations, one in the lead for Marriage Story and one here for Jojo Rabbit in supporting. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, got, uh, she got a nomination. Florence Pugh for Little Women, she's having a terrific year. Uh, Margot Robbie for Bombshell and Zhao Shujin for The Farewell. She got in there, and that's that's a really nice one to see because, um, I mean, I believe this is her first feature film. She was in a television series, I believe, at one point, um, but that that's just such a such a sweet pick, uh, sweet nomination. 
Yeah, three cheers for Nine Eye. This is really cool. Uh, it's just yeah, it's just it's it's a really lovely story, and I'm sure she's gonna get other um, awards consideration as well. Uh, I'm really interested to see maybe um, a Hollywood Foreign Press. I wonder if they might be interested in giving her a Golden Globe nomination. Um, that's def- I think that's definitely within play there. Um, it's a really interesting category because I think Laura Dern is outrageously good at a marriage story, um, but she's also in- just really good in Little Women as kind of the ma- the matriarch of the family, um, and I really love her performance in that. She's really warm and tender and just really, really sweet. Um, and just Florence Pugh, I think, is my favorite of this group because um, she is just like <laughs> this. She might be my favorite. Um, this might be my favorite um, performance by an actress this year. She is just so, so great. And she's all over the place and hamming it up in the best way. And as kind of the young, as one of the um, daughters, it's it's something to behold, and she has incredible chemistry with everyone around her. Um, it's really great. Um, but interesting too with Margot Robbie, I would have chosen her for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I know that kind of that Sharon Tate role has kind of been a little under scrutiny for people uh, from other people. I don't really kind of I don't really see it that way, um, in my opinion. But I can understand why she would they would kind of consider her for Bombshell instead. But really interesting list. Yeah, and I mean. Um, I haven't seen Bombshell, obviously, but uh, um, it'll be neat to kind of see how uh, Nicole Kidman is as well in the film because she's another obviously great, talented actress who uh, always is kind of in the mix for awards buzz. But I guess they're going with Margot in this uh, category over her. Um, so now moving away from this into the last one, we'll kind of touch on Best Director. Um, they nominated a little bit more than five, which is what we'll see at the Academy Awards. They nominated, I believe, seven. Uh, Noah Baumbach got in for Marriage Story. Um, his wife, Greta Gerwig, got nominated for Little Women. Very interesting there. Um, uh, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Uh, Sam Mendes for 1917. Josh and Benny Safdie got nominations for Uncut Gems. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Great to see the Safdies kind of sneak in there. Yeah, I, I love that choice there that's just tremendous because they i don't want to because i don't uncut job doesn't come out here in the states yet but and i don't want to spoil uh one scene in it but there's the there's one shot at the beginning of this movie where it it kind of leads you to it's it gets very kind of like surreal and then it kind of turns it leads to a doctor's office and that's all i'm going to say and it's one of the most hilarious things i've ever seen in my life um but it's just like it's just really great to see them here um and then you, yeah, like the Noah Baumbach record thing is very interesting. I wonder if there's going to be some like some type of rivalry there. It'd be, I'm sure they'll be ha- they'll have fun with that in the press and kind of ham it up with there. But yeah, it's just I don't really know what you the you would get rid of here. Um, I imagine that kind of going on the theme here. I think uncut gems might be a little too cool <laughs> for the Academy. So I think um, if we're looking at kind of like getting rid of a few here for uh, the Oscars' sake, I would say that those they're probably the the first to go. And then after that, it's really, really tough because you have just mm-hmm. tight and titans of the industry. You have Scorsese, Tarantino, and Bong Joon-ho, and um, Sam Mendes just is like directing his ass off in 1917, even though I don't quite like the movie. Um, so I don't really know. I mean, you're going to see whatever the case is, you're going to see a really popular name get cut off here, which is really fascinating. Yeah, it'll be it'll be neat to see which uh, which of these people fall kind of when it comes towards the academies, um, and it'll be neat to see also tomorrow when the Golden Globe uh, nominations get revealed uh, who's kind of left off the list out of these people. Um, but I th- I would definitely agree with you there. I think uh, the Safties are going to get kind of dropped off or uncut, which is unfortunate. But I definitely uh, understand uh, where you're coming from there with that assessment. And I think after that, I mean, you're right. It's going to be very tough uh, to really cut any of these other people off. I think. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. It, it'd be tough to cut him off, but it's going to be neat to see. If Parasite really does play at the academies, then he's going to be there. If it doesn't, he's not going to be there. 1917 um, is a film that it, we're not going to see it sneak into the screenplay or acting categories probably, but it's a film that is It's obviously a it's a technical might, so that's why Sam Mandy's is there for the director. Um, it, it's going to be neat to see what happens also between Scorsese and Tarantino. Uh, two kind of heavyweight titans, as you said, of the industry, and then Bombach and Greta Gerwig there. I mean, it, it, you have a pretty good crop of uh, directors here. Um, it'd be it'd be tough to knock them off for sure. Yeah, I think I think Bong Joon Ho is like the this is like the mainstream trendy pick because I feel like Parasite has kind of broke through and 
become like kind of like a low key phenomenon in a lot of sense. And I feel, and a lot of senses of the word. And I feel like that's going to be the one where I think he's definitely going to get crowned. This will be kind of like the Academy's crowning, like him crowning as like a master of, of the art form. So I think he's definitely a lock, even though I don't think he'll win, which is really interesting. But yeah, I think Scorsese is probably in there as well. Or it's, yeah, it's really tough. I don't quite know what I would do here. Uh, it's someone, someone really famous is going to be bitter at the end of the day. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's tough, but I mean, I'm really liking these Critics' Choice uh, nominations for the most part. They have a ton more categories after that, but we're just kind of touching on these above the line ones for today. But um, I, I I'm pleased with what I'm seeing so far from the Critics' Choice uh, nominations. I think that they picked a pretty good amount of people. A lot of uh, diversity in terms of genres of films in here and different types of performances. So I think that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really interested whether that I didn't see more love for uh, a portrait of a lady on fire, which is quickly becoming like the other really big um, foreign film of the season. Um, it weirdly it isn't France's entry uh, for best international film, so it's not going to get a lot of play there. But I would have expected a lot of critics to just go nuts over it because like, um, it's just an incredible movie and also one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm interested that I didn't see like you didn't because normally with the Critics Choice Awards like you kind of you do see some of these super trendy off the beaten path uh, picks where it's like oh I didn't expect that but it's also a very good performance um, so it does it feels pretty standard which is really interesting I wonder maybe this is just a great year for mainstream cinema I don't really know yeah and I mean we'll see obviously tomorrow with the Golden Globe nominations and then as we move uh, a little bit further we'll probably get to hear a little bit about the SAG nominations and then into the BAFTAs and the Oscars uh, in, in January. But it'll be neat to see. I believe the Critics' Choice um, Awards are presented on January 12th. Um, I think that's a Sunday. Um, that's a week after the Golden Globes will be presented and about a month before the Oscars. So that kind of wraps up our Critics' Choice uh, nominations talk. Um, let's kind of preview next week, though. We have a very busy weekend at the box office next weekend. Um, Bombshell and Uncut Gems are going to start kind of um, getting into theaters now. We have uh, Black Christmas, which is coming out next weekend. Going to be kind of the horror thriller film for the uh, Christmas season. Um, Richard Jewell, Clint Eastwood's newest film, is coming out next week, which has caught on a little bit at a few at a few award circuits. And Jumanji, The Next Level, is coming out next weekend. I expected earlier in the year for that to be a big box office hit. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, any idea of... What's going to happen next weekend? Yeah, crazy week. It's kind of weird that one of those movies didn't decide to open uh, this past week because it feels like they had a. It's kind of a missed opportunity there, but it's really interesting. Um, I think Jumanji is going to make a ton of money. Uh, I don't know if it's going to do quite what Sony is hoping for, um, but if I do re- remember correctly, uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle cost. It was a pretty. They, they were smart with how they budgeted that. It was right around 90 or $100 million budget. So if this movie is the same, um, then it would be fine. It would be totally fine with some type of drop-off there. Um, so I think it's going to do really well. And the same with uh, Black Christmas, because we haven't had a big horror movie in a while. And I I think it's really good counter-programming to all the awards stuff and whatnot. Um, Richard Jewell, I think, is a really interesting piece because i think we're gonna we're gonna talk more about uncut gems and bombshells that go wide in the coming weeks but i think richard jewell is going to do really good business because one like every time there's a trailer and it's directed by clint eastwood everyone above 50 just goes oh like it's something very interesting to them um and the mule was weirdly really successful last year um uh, there's I'm sensing it's already kind of been circulating around from people that I saw Richard Jewell at AFI or premiered in other uh, festivals. Um, there's going to be definitely a bit of a backlash towards uh, Olivia Wilde's character. It's she's her character is just very poorly written, and I'm not looking forward to all the wild hot takes that are coming our way. I can feel it. I can feel the wave of hot takes coming our way. Um, and but I think the movie is going to do very well uh, with all these critics' bodies. Um, I think. Uh, Paul uh, Walter Hauser, who plays Richard Jewell, uh, who's in I, Tanya, had a really good performance. I think he's really good in the movie, and he should kind of kind of break into this best actor or what category or, or anything else. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a player. So I think it's it's definitely one where I mean, we'll see how it does. Because I think if it kind of if you kind of see like it hits maybe twenty million at the box office next week, we're going to have to 
reconsider what we think the nominations are going to be from the Academy in a couple months. Yeah, it'll be neat to see. And I think for sure this is a film that's probably not only going to have a good first weekend, but have pretty good legs as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's just Clint Eastwood movies just do great. I, it's kind of the, the mule. The mule opened okay last year, and then it just kept making money and money. And sooner or later, it was over a hundred, hundred million, and we just didn't know what to do with ourselves. I, I, <laughs> I see. I see as as the similar thing for Richard Jewell. I think it there's it really plays into the same demographics. Um, I think there's a lot to talk about in the movie, and I think it's sporadically kind of incredible, and other times just falls flat really flat on its face like really badly so it's it's an odd one i'm really looking forward to discussing it more when more people see it next week for sure so thanks for coming on nick as well next weekend we hope uh, to have colin back so he can kind of uh manage us uh, a little bit better so we don't go on <laughs> tangents about uh play mobile <laughs> um, but uh uh, for the most part. So that's the box office for this weekend. And next weekend, we're going to have Jumanji, the next level, kind of be that big headliner. So we'll see what happens next weekend with that. Um, I don't know where this thing's going to land. Uh, over under $80 million. What do you say? Ooh, I, that's, that's a, I think it's a really solid over under. Um, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Welcome to the Jungle was right around 38, 40, somewhere yeah, around there, 36 maybe. Yeah, and that was, I mean, it was a little different then because it opened opposite The Last Jedi, so you weren't going to get the crazy opening. Um, but yeah, I, I, people seem to like that movie, like, a lot. Like, I've, I haven't talked to anybody who was like, yeah, fuck Jumanji. That movie sucks. Like, I don't really hear that from anybody. So I think it's going to open really, really well because it's just, and it's The Rock as Danny DeVito, which is just hilarious to me. And then you have Kevin Hart and doing an impersonation of Danny Glover, which is also really, really funny. Um, it seems like it's it's the big, just really big popcorn um, entertainment uh, piece that we've kind of been that audiences have been looking for. Um, so I think if I had to say, I I think it's going to do right around 70, 75. Um, I'm really bad at tracking, but I think that's somewhere right in that area, I think is a really good uh, benchmark for it. Yeah, I definitely, definitely will agree with that. Around that marker seems like a, a pretty good pretty good figure, and it should have decent legs throughout December. So we'll see you next week how that performs, and uh, that's it for this week on the Movie Bubble Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>